You're listening to Parodi, coming at you live. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks, broadcasting from high above Camelback Road in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Otto Daniolo, and this evening, my guest is a local musician, songwriter, and producer, Brian Cuban. But uh, before we bring Brian on the show, let's play a tune from his past. This is Pleasure Over Pain by Tripping with Grace here on the Auto D Show. Check it out. Situation to the pleasure center in my imagination till I come to a place of natural libation, numb to the pain, burning sensation of love. I choose thunder. Coming at you live. 
And that was Pleasure Over Pain from Tripping with Grace here on the Auto D Show, which is brought to you in part by my good friends at Fervor Records and also by TheRecordingArtist.com, where every Wednesday evening I record bands live online while you watch. So to uh, learn more, check it out. Visit TheRecordingArtist.com and be sure to watch the, our companion TV show on Amazon Prime called The Recording Artist. It's pretty cool. And talk about cool, let's bring my guest Brian Cuban on the show. Welcome, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks Good for, to see you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming down. Hey, tell me about that song. That's a trippy track. It is. Uh, um, that band was Tripping with Grace. We were... Um, is that where uh, I got the word trippy? trippy yeah, trippy. yeah. <laughs> we were a band back in the 80s and 90s that uh, wrote kind of uh, eclectic pop songs and uh, a lot of jazz influence, a lot of rock, pop. We were into anything from NXS to Steely Dan. Yeah, I can hear that NXS in there. Yeah, a little Steely Dan. Um, so, you know, our goal was to um, keep music challenging and... Uh, to no avail. <laughs> I mean, it was fine. It was a great experience. We were together for over eight years, and cool. uh, we had a couple different uh, versions of the band. One, the first version was called Modern Lore, mm-hmm. and then we in- eventually changed the name to Tripping with Grace. And we actually um, uh, added a member at one time. Uh, his name was Mike Waldrip, and Mike was um, he was actually the first guy, uh, one of the first guys in Dave's band, Dave Pratt. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, the Sex Machine Band. Oh, he, wow. He's one of the guys that uh, wrote some of those songs like uh, Whipped Cream and uh, Rockin' on the, or what, what, Rock in the River or whatever they were. Right, <laughs> right. There was a lot of good ones. But he was part of that with him and Steve Parrish, who was another friend of mine as yeah, well. Yeah, back in the day. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. And so uh, how long, that band was, you say, through the 80s and 90s? Yeah, yeah, basically to the early to mid-90s. Um, we went real strong there for a while. We were trying to get it to happen, and... Uh, you know, things just kind of got awkward when uh, um, bands like, uh, oh, what, what are they called? Uh, Soundgarden, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love all these bands, you know, Pearl Jam. Right. Uh, um, what was the one band? Yeah, they kind of changed what uh, everybody was looking for, huh? Well, I got back to rock and roll. Yeah. You know, you know, Kurt Cobain's band. Right. Yeah, Nirvana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, when those bands came out, <clears throat> it was kind of like, I think there was a review on our record uh, when we released it, and the, the review was, "This band is awesome. This band is great." Uh, too bad no one wants to hear this. <laughs> that was a review, you uh, know. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes that's true, you know. You work, you work really hard on something, and then, uh, but see, the sound changed, the music changed so fast at that point when that happened, man. It really did. That was crazy. I, I was, I, and, and you know, I didn't appreciate it at the time as much because I was really ingrained into what we were doing. Right. But then, as uh, time unfolded, I started mm-hmm. realizing how brilliant, uh, like Nirvana was, yeah. and. and uh, you know, that's just rock and roll, man. I yeah. mean, you know, rock and roll was always supposed to be dirty and, and, and nasty and ugly, and it wasn't supposed to be all sweet and pretty. That's right. That's absolutely right. <laughs> and, there, and it got kind of like, uh, you know, it was, you know, they, they started putting uh, uh, a lot of pretty arrangements, and Journey was really big, you know, the right. pretty rock stuff. Well, and, and the guys got pretty, too. It turned into black fingernails and big wigs and... And it was about more about the look and style than it was about the, the raw music, you know. Sure. Nirvana drops and T-shirts and bedhead hair, you know. It's just they didn't, It was almost like we don't care what we look like. That's not important. It's yeah. the music. You know, and that's kind of the raw energy of rock and roll again. Yeah, even the glam bands, were, there were some good ones. This, when yeah, they when were it kicked great. off, like Motley Crue was awesome. I mean, yeah. they were they were. Well, and Extreme was like right at the, right at the peak, you know. And uh, there were a bunch of bands that were great at the time. They were interesting, like... Um, a Living Color was another one really interesting. I was so into them. You know, but it's like, it just took a left turn so fast. Yeah. These bands just fell off the, off the track. Yeah. It, 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 it was like a dead stop. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It happened fast. Uh, wow, man. That's pretty crazy. But listen, what, what happened to you then? What did you do next? Did you join another band? Have you always just been playing in bands? You know, right after that, I, uh, I, had, a, I had a daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I decided to, that I needed to slow down a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. get a real job. And uh, I took a job at a, as a, um, well, even going back f- further than that, uh, I'd like to go back a little further. I, I uh, started getting into um, audio engineering mm-hmm. right about this time, um, maybe a little earlier than that. I was uh, working for a publishing company called NALR, NALR, which was a, a Catholic publishing company. Okay. But uh, um, I, I was 
playing a lot of um, studio sessions for this company. They they would hire me because I read bass clef really well. Mm -hmm. You know, it was one of my skills. And uh, they were they were like uh, there's a guy named Daniel Concilio who's one of my mentors. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, shaped shaped how I look at music. Um, He he told me um, that that we're going to record a record, and I go, okay, cool. And this is like 1988, 89. And uh, so we went into this little studio and it had an eight track Tascam in it. And him and I uh, just figured out how the equipment worked and and we just started doing it, you know. Mm -hmm. So from that, he he got me involved with uh, the the publishing company and they got me all these gigs working, uh, uh, recording records, basically Mm -hmm. a lot of religious music. So I would pop in there with a lot of great players that uh, are still around town here even today mm-hmm. and uh, so I would be uh, in the studio reading in the control room and uh, I don't know if you know who Paula Wallach is mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah really. and you used to engineer over at Billy Moss's place that's right time. over at Vintage yeah. and, and uh, so I'd always be in the control room and and uh, she'd be like okay I want to plug you into this Poltec and we're going to go into this LA2A and I'm like <laughs> and, and I listen to my bass I'm like Oh my gosh! I know that sounds incredible. Yeah, <laughs> and so That's I, I was dreamy say, input structure right there. You know, so I would be talking to her and I'd ask her all these questions, and uh-huh. she like. So at one point we were in the studio and <clears throat> working on it with a client, and the client was in the room, and I was in there, and I was asking her a question, and and she, and she goes, she whispers in my ear, she goes, "Shut up, stupid." <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, if you want to ask me questions, you can ask me after the session, but we're, we're the client right now, so we can't talk. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And, and so after that, we actually became friends, and, and uh, uh, she's taught me a lot just by being doing the sessions. Yeah. I, I wasn't really, at this time, an audio engineer, but I was more of a studio musician learning by watching her. Right. And and I I spent a lot of hours cutting a lot of tracks. I bet I cut... 200 tracks in that studio wow. over four, three to four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, being in that room constantly, we became friends and, and uh, you know, I learned the, you know, the protocol. Right. And, and uh, so she taught me stuff and I said, okay, cool. Now I know stuff. And then uh, she got me this gig being an audio engi- uh, audio editor for that publishing company. Okay. And uh, I was basically taking two track tapes and I was, uh, you know, uh, the, the masters and I was uh, recording them with another two track machine onto a slave mm-hmm. and I was making compilations where I mm-hmm. had to get out the, the razor knife and right. and the block and the, and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm sure people in a lot the, of hours cutting tape back and, in the day. and our audience might not know what that means, but we used to have to like cut the songs and you had to make a slave because you can't cut the master, you know? Yeah. And uh, I, I learned a lot, you know, and, and I, and I made, you know, hundreds of compilations for this and, and I learned how, cool. How to do all that stuff, and and then the Betamax came out, the mm-hmm. the, the, the PCM uh, digital recorder, you know, and uh, then we were transferring all that stuff to Betamax, which was really a boring thing. I would just sit in there, and why well, would transfer and drink coffee and read books, but right. learn more about what I was doing. Yeah. But yeah, so I got into that's how I got into audio engineering, and and I used that to, to record a lot of our records, like with uh, Tripping with Grace, mm-hmm. which actually that that track was cut by a guy named uh, Jeff Percival. I don't know if, yeah. if you ever remember yeah. Jeff, but mm-hmm. he was a uh, uh, he was. He went by Jeff Tatum. He was mm-hmm. a country singer at uh, Red River Opry. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Red River Opry. Yeah. Gosh, great players over there, man. Just man, just J. David Sloan was in that show. Right? I saw the Christmas was. show over there. He, he was, was in, in the show. Yeah. yeah, pretty wild. So that got you into audio engineering. So now you get into Tripping the Grace. You make that record. Uh, were you making? And you were doing this stuff for the. Catholic Publishing Company, but uh, did you start making other records for other people? I did. When did that start? Well, you know, we did more of our own stuff, and I I probably cut my teeth mostly doing our own stuff until about the early 90s, and then I started doing other people's records. And Do you remember the first one when someone asked you to make their record and you had to take, it's a whole different thing when it's not coming from your head, it's coming from their head, and you had to interpret it and catch it and... Yeah, yeah. I, uh, well, the, I mean, the the first record I, I made was the first one we did, but but after that, it was with a, a uh, it was a it was a gospel group, and uh, it wasn't like a it was like a Catholic uh, music group. And they were really good, and uh, I, I used my sixteen eighty. Remember that machine? Mm-hmm. 
I thought it was a big deal because I had one of those things. You know, I wasn't using a room or anybody's room. I just had my little build out that I put together and some a couple nice mics, and we did a you know a nice little record over there. Cool. And then I worked with a, a little group called uh, uh, the Lunchbox Superheroes, which cool, is man. some friends of mine, and uh, did their demo. And mostly the stuff I was doing was really demo quality. It wasn't really great stuff mm-hmm. by any means. But every once in a while, I'll pull out one of those tracks and go, wow, we did a pretty good job on that for yeah. what we were using, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's but, amazing what you could do. But back then, too, I mean, you know, today everybody has a laptop with quality sounds in it already in their, in, in their space, and they've learned to you know audio proof the room and walls and you know really make it so you can record at home very easily and back then man you didn't have anything no knowledge no one telling you anything buy a little console buy a couple microphones buy a tape machine yep just make it up (laughs) exactly yeah yeah and uh, learning as we went you know yeah so now just to continue that real quick you're you uh you've continued your career in audio you taught for a while yeah then your own music school uh, well, I, I ended up uh, managing a music store, the old Arizona Music Center, if you remember that place. I do. Uh, that was, uh, um, it was bought out by a guy named uh, Tracy Williams, who was a um, jazz teacher over at, uh, uh, at uh, Grand Canyon University. Okay. And he uh, um, hired me as a, um, a teacher to teach bass, because I used to teach at the bass place, too, for many years right. uh, on the west side and then in Scottsdale. But uh, Tracy opened up a school, uh, or you know, just lessons at the at the store, mm-hmm. and I I, I uh, quickly cultivated a, a, a small army of students, and he was pretty impressed with that. And uh, so during my breaks, I'd be walking around and I'd be selling guitars just because <laughs> you know I knew what was the good stuff and what was the bad stuff, and people were asking me questions, and he was like, "Do you want a job?" I'm That's like, funny. well, I got a job here already. He goes, well, do this, and I'll give you commissions, and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up being the store manager after a couple of years, and it was a fun, t- it was a really a, a great time. And during that time, I, I joined a band called the Haywa. No, I was with Charlie Menino and the Express. Do you know Charlie? No, I don't. Uh, Charlie's a good dude, a local guy here in town, okay. really, really great band. In fact, uh, Dave Hilker uh, was in that band also. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so Dave uh, and uh, got me in that band. And um, Dave and I have been friends for many, many years as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I got into that group and, and uh, with Charlie, and, and it was fun. We did it for a couple of years. And this, this, this country guy kept coming out and watching me play. And his, his name, uh, John Rickard. He's mm-hmm. a steel player here in town. I know, he, he, well. he lives in Pennsylvania and, and here. And, and John uh, uh, used to come out and say, man, you got to join my band. And, and uh, I'm like, man, I ain't, I'm not playing country. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a band that's playing Motown. And I'm a bass player. You know, I mean, why would I want to play in a country band? And, and he said, well, we get paid like $125.87 a night, you know, <laughs> something like that. And I was like, oh, and they play five nights a week. And I'm like, oh, okay, let's do that. That's and uh, so I, I checked it out, and, and uh, it was a huge, huge uh, um I mean, I grew up on country music, so I know country music, but uh, it was for playing it as a, yeah. as a performer, it was a huge change. I had to learn to really not be anything but just a root note, you know? Yeah, you had to learn your place. It's very different. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. overplaying like crazy and making everybody upset at me. And, and I finally, after a couple of years of playing with those guys, I, I learned that spiel yeah. and, uh, I, and uh, I embraced it. Yeah. And I, to this day, when I play country music, I try not to play too much, just enough. Yeah, well, and it works. Yeah, you know, for that stuff, it really, it really. It's more does. about the groove now, you know. It's more as you get older and you learn things. It's, it's what was more. the name of John's band then? What band was that? Do you recall? That was called the Haywire Band. Okay. And then we backed up Tim and Willie for their stuff. We were the right. All Earl Band. Right. You know, we did some shows. I got to play with Steve Warner, and that had to be fun. That was fun. Played played uh, the um, oh the. What is it called? The Celebrity Theater. Celebrity Theater, yeah. Draw the circle. <laughs> I know the stage it goes around. Yeah, and I, I remember them telling me, well, you got to learn like three of Steve's songs. And I'm like, because you're going to be the bass player. I'm like, I get to play with Steve Warner right That's on. That's pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. play his records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was, that was a treat, you know. That's very cool. Yeah, it was good. It was oh. a good band. And then I, I, I left that band. Um, actually, I got fired. Did you? Yeah. Aww. First time I ever got fired from a band. What happened? What John got kind of sick of my antics because um, I I am a, I like to entertain. Okay. I like I think you know if you're going to be playing cover tunes, my my philosophy is you got to entertain people. That's right. what we're here for. I'm not here to play a, a George Strait song perfectly and just stand there. I just that's just not who I am. Right. I mean I can do that, but that doesn't. Uh, that costs extra. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And and I noticed that you know when if I would you know get more into the crowd the crowd had more fun and we had 
you know, more people getting into the shows. And he, he you know, he just, that wasn't what he wanted. He mm-hmm. wanted something different. So it didn't work out. And uh, he, he just asked me if I, if I would leave because he wanted something different. I was like, you know what? I, I get it. No yeah. problem. And, and I moved on. And um, I'll just go to the next part. I, I joined a, a group uh, uh, with a guy named Barry Van Wee. I don't know if you know that guy. He, uh, he was called the Lightning Boy, a hmm. fiddle player um, in Las Vegas. He had a show on Fremont Street. Okay. And I play upright bass as well, stand-up bass. And um, he he was playing, um, you know, classic fiddle tunes. And then he mixed in, like, uh, Eric Johnson songs, Satriani tunes, uh, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Cool. You know, all these really hard guitar songs but he played all the riffs on the fiddle and it was super cool so we were doing like these really cool versions of these songs where i'm playing upright bass and he's playing the fiddle and we're doing like you know uh cliffs of dover and stuff like that you know on, on these instruments and people loved it man we we just were tearing it up out there and and um then uh, i got a phone call uh one night when i was out there from george brunson have you ever met george um I'm not sure. George Brunson is the uh, original founder of Mogion. Mogion. Oh, okay. Yeah, him and yeah, Dwayne. I don't know him and Dwayne I, are the founders, yeah. along with, with Dave Miller, who the, was the bass player. Those I would guys. have met him only if I met him back in 2004 when I did some mixes for the band. Yeah, yeah. And you might have. You might have. He's He uh, he had called me, and he had said, hey, man, um, we want you to join Mogion. And I go, well, you know, man, I I, I did that. I, first of all, I saw Mogion. Mo, people call it Mogion, Mogion. <laughs> right. I saw them uh, in 1985 at my uh, at a wedding in Flagstaff. Right. And uh, I went to a wedding, and uh, they were playing, and I was like, man, those guys are great. I go, and this is before I even entertained the country concept. Right. And I was like, well, you know, if I ever was in a country band, that would be the band I would want to be in because they're running around <laughs> like monkeys. That Dwayne's up on top Being of a tree crazy. playing yeah. fiddle, like running through the museum club in Flagstaff. Have you yeah. ever been there? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, there's cool a big place. tree in the yeah. middle of it. He would get up on the tree and jump around, and it was it was amazing. That's very cool. And so you thought that would be my band? Well, he he, he asked are. me to join it, and I go, well, why do you want me to join the band? I go, I just got you know canned from a band because I didn't want to stand there. And he goes, dude, the reason he canned you is why we want you. We <laughs> want you to run around and jump like a monkey and play songs and have fun. And and sure enough, man, it was a it was a match made in heaven. I was uh, twenty uh, two years in the band. So wow. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a, b- a great run and uh, perfect fit yeah. for for my kind of energy. What I want to do is, as an entertainer, and uh, and plus, you know, you know, Mogion has a lot of original music too, which mm-hmm. I, I had a, a big part in as far as like um, producing and tracking. Yeah. And, and you mixed uh, our record, yeah, the one, one I tracked. Yeah. yeah. Now, since we're on uh, Mogion, Mogion, the band, you know, Dwayne passed in April, I think it was. April, we were, yeah, we April talking. 28th, yeah. <clears throat> and so, unexpectedly, leader of the band, and then you guys went on to f- fulfill another 60 dates and honor those contracts. Yeah, yeah. Which was really, really cool. So what's what's going to happen now with that band name or what's... Well, it's going... January 1st is going to retire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, people have asked, why don't you get another singer? And I'm like, well... That just wouldn't be right. I mean, it's it's, yeah. a, it's a legacy band. I mean, that guy is he was it was him and George and and, and Dave. They they were the, really the founders of the band. And, mm-hmm. and when George left, um, uh, Dwayne became pretty much the principal owner of the of the company. And you know, you, you just can't you just can't replace him. He's first of all, the guy's just a dynamo. Yeah. You know, uh, and I, I have kind of a philosophy: if I can't do it better, then I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I just. Uh, no, uh, no offense to anybody out there that's a, uh, a frontman entertainer. I'm sure you're amazing, but Dwayne Moore was one of a kind. I mean, there was yeah. no one like him, and um, it just wouldn't be right. Mm-hmm. And it was not my call, you know, as far as that goes. And, you know, we all decided that uh, Kyra Elmer is the admin person for um, Mogian and the kids. And we all sat down, we just talked about it. And I said, look, let's just finish these dates, um, make sure the guys are employed. Make sure that there's money uh, to take care of the taxes for the corporation at the end of the year, mm-hmm. and also to make sure that uh, when when everything is done and we liquidate everything, that it has a great legacy. I mean, the name will go down as like it was all done right and it was done, you know, with uh, you know pure love, you mm-hmm. know, and and the kids will get the money from the liquidation and, mm-hmm. and they'll split that, and that'll be their inheritance, from mm-hmm. that, you know, along with whatever they received from their father. Yeah, pretty yeah. wild. So this is coming to an end for you. So. 
Uh, you're going to play the dates out through the end of the year, or or the company's just going to close at the end of the year. Are there any more dates coming up? There, there, there will be some after. Yeah, uh, the, the company will officially close, but we are going to do some Mexico dates. They're having uh, it's called uh, Country Bash, Mandy's Country Bash, which is an uh, a big country showcase that's done uh, in March. We'll be playing that show because they're going to uh, dedicate the stage, and they're going to call it the Dwayne Moore Memorial cool. Stage. So we're going to uh, play that show uh, with Danny Walls and. Um, who was on your show a couple yeah. weeks back. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. so we'll dedicate the, the stage for Dwayne, and, and that will always be the Dwayne Moore stage uh, every year the Country Bash goes on. And I'll tell you, that thing's really turning into a dynamo, that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. So then what's next for you after Mogollon? Yeah, that's the question. You're going to keep playing? You're going <laughs> to put, put a new band together? You're going to manage a band of kids? <laughs> Well, the studio's just blown up. You know, I, I've been doing that for years, and I would say over the last 20 years, I've been really steady with work, and I've been fortunate enough to, you know, to have the clients I like and work with, uh, return clients and people that uh, I enjoy working with, and they seem to keep coming back and doing more music, which I love that. Yeah, isn't that cool? It is cool. It is cool, and I got new clients coming in uh, when I can fit them in, and. I just took on some work with Fervor Records, and uh, um, I'm doing a lot, a lot of editing for them, and that's a big part of what I'm doing right now. So um, I'm working that in. I'm, I'm slowly working into that into as my model. So uh, I want to devote a certain amount of hours every week to that and um, fill in the gaps. Well, there's no gaps to fill. Right. <laughs> so so doing music is, is a tough one, but I, I told myself if I'm going to do it, I want to make sure I'm going to do something I like to do mm-hmm. with the people I want to be with sure. and have a, a great time doing it. And speaking of the people you want to be with, I yeah. believe that you're about to get married. I am. I am. Uh, uh, yeah. Lisa uh, Holdorf, my uh, fiance, is a wonderful woman, and uh, um, we're excited. We're getting married uh, March 18th. March eighteenth. Cool. I almost said eighth, and I almost got you know. Congratulations! <laughs> thanks, thanks. And uh, so, what's her take on uh, music? Does she want you in a band because she likes to go see you play, or is she thinking, no, I like this studio stuff in your home at night? <laughs> what's her take? Well, the thing is, the studio's not at home because the studio's oh. in Mesa, so oh, it's you know, forty miles from our house, or thirty-five miles from our okay. house. But uh, you know, she's great. You know, she she gets the whole thing, and uh, she's perfect. She's not uh, overbearing. She loves uh, uh, to come out every once in a while and enjoy it when we play a really awesome venue where she can enjoy the venue with us and uh when i'm playing a place that's not so awesome she uh decides to stay home <laughs> and right. and i'm like and i never uh, i never get upset about that i'm like you do you and yeah. uh, she's very independent and she does what she likes to do and uh, cool. she's super supportive of what i do and she gets it yeah you know that's the hardest thing when you have a companion in the music business it, you know you have to get it yeah it's a, it can be a tricky business yeah you know? well For congratulations sure. Thank you. Um, I want to play a song that is a record that I, I believe you produced by an artist by the name of Courtney Cotter King. Yes, I produced that record. I, uh, I got to tell you, when I my relationship with the Fervor guys, uh, dear friends, and they uh, sponsored the show by way of allowing me to play a lot of these tracks, you know, uh, and providing that music for the show, and they gave me this record, and I didn't get the you know the copy where you read what's on I just got the file the mp3s you know oh, okay so I didn't I don't know producing this stuff or where it was done but I remember hearing that record and just loving that record I thank mean, you head to toe just loved that record so first let me just tell you congratulations on an incredible piece of work it's, I think that's a phenomenal record it's it's a few times a record goes by and you go oh I wish I had done that record you know <laughs> and then you think well but it's done so well. I'm glad he did it or whoever did it because it just really sounded great. You know, the, the fun thing about this record is, is um, I'll just talk real quick about this before you play the track, is it had a budget. You know, and, and when you have a budget, you can do a lot of really good things. And I always try to, you know, express to my artists, if you have a budget, you can do good stuff. And it had a, it had a nice budget. So I, I could really, you know... We didn't use any synthesizers on the record. It was everything was done with real instruments. There was nothing. There's one part. There's a bell part we used to sample. There's a little bell, and there's a, a song called Project where we used a um, uh, a sampled uh, tom because the guy that played drums on it brought this thing called a cat and K A T T, and he had all these samples and he did all these really cool tom sounds with it, and uh, we liked it, so we kept yeah. it. Cool. Now, yeah. where is she now? She's doing great. She's uh, she's in Mesa. She's got a, a um, I think four or five children now. They, they're a big family. Her and Dallin, her husband, and they're doing great. She's she's doing music. She's out there doing it, and uh, 
Uh, as far as shows, I don't know if she does a lot of them, but uh, she does write a lot of music. Her goal is just is primarily, I think, for movie and television. Mm-hmm. With this, and as you can, you know, if you listen to the music, it is perfect for that. Yeah, great stuff. So let's play a cut. This is uh, Solstice. Yeah. Off of the album Rooftops from yeah. Fervor Records with the artist Courtney Cotter King, produced by my guest Brian Cuban. So let's check it out here on the Auto D Show. And that was Solstice from the Fervor Records catalog by Courtney Cotter King, produced by my guest Brian Cuban. That's a great track. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. And the arrangements are wonderful, too. How involved were you in the arrangements of all those pieces? Um, You know, I would say I was definitely involved in in the arrangements. Um, Courtney definitely um, knew what she wanted, though. Did she write out all the string parts, or did string players write their parts? She. I know. And sometimes on the, in the records, it's it's yeah. not like you know by the book. It's just whatever happens. No, she had one of her friends, Rachel, write out the arrangements, mm-hmm. and, and she did a great job. She was uh, cool. uh, the uh, uh, cello player, and um, she she put all the the, the uh, written arrangements together. Um, one thing I could say about that record that was fun was that you know Courtney came in kind of. In not knowing a lot about producing a record, but she kept shooting ideas at me. I, I loved her energy. She just kept throwing stuff at me. And w- at first, a, a couple of the ideas were just like really off base. And, and I was like, I wanted to say to her, now nah, that won't work. But what I want, what I did do is I said, well, let's just try it. And a lot of them worked. And it was just, you know, you learn from your clients, you know. Yeah. You, you know, sometimes, like, I'm like, man, that, that note's not going to work. It's just going to be too obscure sounding or it's going to be too, you know, close to the, a low note too close together or something, you know. Right. And, uh, and man, you know, I would say, you know, 60% of the time she, she was right. You know? Well, it's funny. When, when an artist is a true artist, they actually do have a sense of what they're talking about. Yeah. So they're coming from a place you're not coming from. And uh, so... I've had the same stories. You know, I had a guy, I call, I still to this day call him my crazy, my crazy guy. And I always refer to him and say, you know that one crazy guy I have? He sent me an email for a session and he just wanted one hour of studio time. And he, the email said, from 5 to 5.10, we're going to do drums. From 5.10 to 5.15. And he had it broken out. And I'm like, okay, first of all, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This isn't how it goes. And this is so far off base that I'm going to take this session just to show him how silly this is, Right. So he came in, and uh, we did exactly what he exactly what he said, and we did it in the way he did it, and it turned out fantastic. And he he would for drums. He comes in and he's, he literally says, "Yeah, I know how the song goes. I just want to play drums." So I said, "Okay, well, I have a drum kit right there." He goes, "No, I don't play drums. I just want to play drums." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I just need a kick drum I can hit with a mallet." It's like, "Okay," and so he did a kick drum track. I was really steady, and then he gave him a snare drum, and he played a snare track. And then hi-hat, he played a hi-hat track. Hey, the drums are done. So in 10 minutes, we had the drums one piece at a time. He just went through all the instruments. And really, in an hour, he did it all. And I'm like, okay, hold on for a second. I have to tell you how crazy you are. And the <laughs> fact that this worked is even crazy. We went on to do a couple albums together. Uh, and he always, he always got bigger and crazier with his production. Because once he realized what he could do, and what all it took was an idea for me to then also help him make that thing happen... Uh, he just exploded artistically. So when you have someone like that, I can hear it in, in Courtney too, that they come at you, it's like, you don't have to do a lot for them. Get out of their way. Help them do their thing and then patch in the holes because she's got a sense. Sure. You know, and, and, and she's got a great ear. So yeah. she, like, you know, she knows when things are wrong. And, yeah, and what a voice. Yeah, yeah. It's a great voice. A very interesting voice, right? And you mentioned she's got a new record out. She does. I don't know. I do not know the name of it, I'm sorry to say, but uh, it, I have heard two or three tracks, and they're, and they're really solid. Cool. Well, I'll have to hunt her down on her website and, and uh, check her out. Yeah, and that record was fun, too, because, like, we got to storyboard it. You know, like, we... And I love, like, as a producer to be able to take each song and say, okay, what's the song about? What are we doing? What's our direction, you know? Mm-hmm. Take a piece of paper, write down the ideas, storyboard it, like, almost make it a visual thing. Mm-hmm. You know, where's it? we're going to take it from here, and we're going to go to here, and what do we want to happen? What's the end result? And, you know, are we gonna, what instruments are we going to use? And, you know, just writing all these different things down, it makes such a better record when people do that, mm-hmm. you know? Because, you know, every once in a while I get clients that don't do that, and... and um, you know, I wish they would, or, or they don't want to take the time to do that. Yeah, that's. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and they already have a plan, you know. Yeah. When somebody brings something in that's a little more bare bones, where a lot of decisions are still to be made, you have that opportunity. Yeah, it's true. I have one country singer in San Diego who writes songs by singing on his phone, and that's what he brings. When he has has enough that he likes, he comes to me with them, and we start to go through them, <clears throat> and then we hire people to come in, and we start to, you know, put them together. He has no. He doesn't play an instrument, so. That's the basic. Does he thing. sing on them, or does he have yeah, someone he else? Yeah, he does, actually. Oh, okay, that's, that's great. Singer, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, so um, let's get back to you instead of all of our favorite clients. And uh, tell me a little bit more. Let's say if somebody wants to get a hold of you to work at the studio, what's the name of the studio? Do you have a commercial uh, name for so it? So this is the funny thing. Yeah, it's called Cube Music, like my last name, K-U-B-E Music. Okay. I've never advertised. 
okay. I've been blessed. You know, um, I, I I typically I've had opportunities to try to uh, advertise, but every time I think about it, I'm like, I'm I'm so busy right now. I what am I going to do? Why would I advertise <laughs> other than maybe to raise my rates? You know, and and I've I've kept my rates at a kind of a standstill for the last couple of years, but you know, I'll probably raise my rates here soon, just a little bit. You know and grandfather the old people in it mm-hmm. you know at the old price but you know when you get that busy you can do that mm-hmm. and uh so the blessings have been there uh, and i feel like if i advertised i would just be overwhelmed mm-hmm. and um at this point uh if you want to get a hold of me um find me on facebook brian cuban b-r-y-a-n-k-u-b-a-n there i am there you go it's that easy <laughs> this is hey brian i want to so many people do that that's what it is. i mean i, I get it's, it's facebook messenger hey brian i want to i want to record a song uh, that i get those all the time yeah yeah that's cool yeah and so do you prefer pr- producing uh or do you prefer playing i prefer producing do you yeah i love playing i love playing uh, but i i I really love producing, mm-hmm. you know, especially, you know, if, if there's a little budget behind it where you can actually do some stuff. Where you can swim around a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and have some fun with it, you know, and with the technology out and, and uh, there's some great toys out. I mean, tools, mm-hmm. toys. We call them toys yeah. and tools. That, you know, you can just do a lot of really interesting stuff now, really fun. Yeah, there's a lot of new plugins all the time. You see advertised even like sure. through Facebook. There's one I just read today called, what was it called? Uh, gosh, Thickety something like that i just saw it yet today and i heard the demo and i thought i might have to i might download the free version of that i downloaded their uh uh, car stereo emulator oh really yeah (laughs) uh, you can take your mix and and put it the plug-in on your on your master bus and it sounds like you're in a car listening to it so you don't have to go down to your car well it's so i tried it out and i was like eh i still have to go down to my car man (laughs) sorry and every car is different too so (laughs) that's kind of wild yeah the car mix all right, so let's get back to performing uh, yeah. for a second then. If you're more into producing, and that work is blowing up. Mogian's coming to close, really. Yeah, uh, so do you see yourself on stage? Definitely. You know, I've been talking to a, a few friends of mine here in town. They've, uh, I've been had some opportunities. People offer me some uh, opportunities, and I'm looking at some of those right now, and I'm also considering uh, with the Mogian guys uh, to move forward and uh, do some music, more pop rock um, you know the good stuff you know mm-hmm. that, that people want to hear mm-hmm. you know um that would be that would be a, what i would want to do uh with the goal of making money I, you know i mean I, I know that sounds kind of you know maybe a cheap thing to say but you know i it, i'm 56 you know i'm not a, i'm not a young kid well, and making money is how you you're able to do it i mean you have to be making money to do it otherwise you're spending money to do it right right so it's uh, one or the other and, and another part of me would love I would love to do like a, a an original band that's like an Allison Krauss type of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like a, a really you know because what I prefer to do in the studio is record real instruments. I mean that's been mm-hmm. my jam forever, and right. I, I I like doing that. I'm not I don't like to use samples that much. I'm not your guy if you want to do a heavy metal record or a hard rock record. There's a lot of great guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Spots, he's awesome. You know, there's there's guys like that that do hard rock like nobody, mm-hmm. and I'm more like the guy you know that wants to do acoustic stuff you know or just you know songwriter stuff that sounds like songwriter stuff you know right real instruments and uh um but i would love to be in a band that that that, that is a that, that where the band is playing music together where everybody's like listening to each other and everybody's playing their parts perfectly you know and it's original music though you know mm-hmm. you're, you're performing a piece of music that that you want to entertain people with but it's i mean it's different i mean you're playing top 40 music you're doing the same thing you're doing that but but you want to entertain people too. You want to. I mean, I'm playing a corporate show. You know, when I'm playing with the band. You know, right. so there's people there to get drunk and have fun and and uh, you know. Any band will do. <laughs> yeah, we kind of. Well, yeah. we we need you know we, they want a good band, right. but but they want they want to have fun. Yeah. You know, so I'm there to you know smile at people and and you know high five people and and you know and you know I always look at everybody in the audience when I play. I I, I look at I find three or four people at the beginning of the night stare at them. And until they feel like I'm creepy. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I get people involved in the show. Yeah. And that's how you do it. We're spotlights, you know. Right. Everybody on the stage is a spotlight. 
you know, I, I when you see a performer that's not paying attention to what's going on, that's when you realize, you know, that person's not really dialed into what's supposed to be happening. All right, everybody out there who's a musician in town is listening. Brian is busy in his studio. His band is pulling into the parking lot, and he really wants to be part of an original project that apparently he doesn't really have to make money from right now because his studio is busy. Yeah. So if you think you could be in that creative project, it might be the right time to hit Brian up with that idea. Yeah, you know, doing something cool like playing like Mem Theater and, yeah. and, and you know, uh, Center for the Arts type stuff. Well, you mentioned Steely Dan a couple times, and then you yeah. just mentioned playing original music really well all together. I mean, you start yeah. describing the experience of covering your Steely Dan tracks that are so tight, you know? Yeah, or even so, my old band, Tripping with Grace. I mean, we were just like locked solid yeah. all the time. I mean, the, our performances were stellar, you know, because everybody was rehearsed. Well, what about getting the old band back together? Uh, well, that's funny you say that, because we're actually uh, cutting some tracks coming Are up you? here. Yeah, yeah. Mike Shannon and I and, and John Leach and Ward that's have awesome. decided to uh, uh, join forces with a, uh, some, uh, a singer here in town named Julissa Ruth okay. and, uh, and some other people as well. And um, we're going to do some uh, of our old songs. We're going to retool them and make them more modern and, and hip and fun. And well, that's going to be fun. When are you going to start that? Uh, next week. Really? <laughs> it, we're supposed to start next week, but I, I, I just got summoned for ju- jury duty. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> so next week. Studio's closed. I have to call and see if I'm going to be on jury duty first. Uh, if not, yeah. we'll, we'll be starting next week. So That's exciting. How many cuts are you planning on doing? We're going to start with one song okay. uh, first uh, and just see how you know the workflow is. and How everybody and, vibes on it and yeah. see where you go. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear that. So now you mentioned Mike Shannon. Yeah, uh, he's going to be in this project. He's the singer on the track we played, right? He is, but he won't be singing on anything. Okay. We we decided we were going to get a, a, a young woman. Her okay. name is Julissa. Is he Ruth. also a player? Then I take it. Yeah, he, he plays guitar, okay. and he's he's a the primary lyricist writer as well as arranger. Cool. He's he's a very talented guy. So you doing this at your place? Yeah, I look forward to hearing this. Yeah, it's gonna be cool. I'll have to bop in when yeah. you're. It's gonna be very funky. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's what we're shooting for. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Are you, do you have a name for the project at this point? Or? Um, not really. Not really. It's, it's, it's more of like songs. We're just going to be uh, cutting songs, and, and, and uh, I don't know what we're going to do with him yet. I mean, I would love to you know, introduce him to maybe Dave and over at uh, Fervor and, and Jeff and see if they're interested in him. If not, maybe search out other people. Might, you know, More like writing for movie and television and things like that where mm-hmm. we might actually be able, be able to make some money. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's hard to sell records, huh? Or, or step back and wait for that streaming check, you know? Well, if we're not out, you know, doing a tour, you know, and if we're not out, like, you know, uh, schlepping records, there's no way to do it. Well, with with Mogion, did you guys deal with a lot of merch when you were out playing? Yeah, yeah. We, we carry were, a lot of stuff. We were se- selling merch at all our shows and our records, and we sold a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, you almost have to. That's the best way to. Yeah, it's a big part of it. Paid for the gas and paid for the, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, and, um, uh, surprisingly, surprising how many records we sold. I have no idea how many, honestly, right. but it's, there was a lot of them. Well, at the at the height of the craziness of the band, as busy as it ever got, how often were you out? Were you out months at a time, weeks at a time? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we would we were road dogs in the early years, you know, uh, out doing it. And uh, even when I joined the band, they had like backed down from that. Like the early Mogion, like when Dave Miller was in the band, the bass player. They were really road dogs. I mean, they would like never come home, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. kind of road dogging. But I was like, uh, I came in afterwards. It was more like, you know, we're off for three or four days. We might be gone for two weeks. But we were we were like really banging and clanging on these corporate shows where we were flying to like, you know, uh, Hawaii and Cabo and the Caribbean and, <laughs> and, in, and the Canada. There, all Everything's there. Bring we your sh- guitar. Bring your outfit. In fact, sometimes you can backline the guitars. It depends on the band and how you feel about it. But usually, they would just provide amps, and we bring our guitars, and and uh, those were great shows. You know, we we had a long stint with the Texas Roadhouse chain. Um, oh yeah, the, the owner of that, Kent Taylor, he uh, saw us at a tequila tasting in Wyoming, Jackson Hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a last minute show. I can still remember Dwayne called me. We got to be in Jackson Hole in 20 hours. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, we got offered this gig for the uh, YPO, Young Presidents Organization. He goes, we're doing it. I go, okay. He goes, because, man, everybody there's a millionaire, and they're going to hire us for their shows. Watch. And sure enough, we did that show. We got, like, hundreds of shows off that one show. He was, Dwayne was smart that way. He knew it. He he knew, man. He knew how entertaining the band was. Yep. And he knew the audience he needed to sell it to. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I, I know this isn't about me. I want to talk about Dwayne a little bit, but he, 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 I never saw that guy ever in 22 years um, pack it in on a show. He was there 100% energy every single night. We played a show uh, at a rodeo one time at, for four people, and he played it like there is our biggest audience we ever had ever was 120,000 people. Uh, we did uh, a Fourth of July at Indian uh, Steel Horse Park right down here. Indian School is that yeah, what's called Indian yeah. Steel Horse Park? Yeah. Anyway, we played. Uh, it was on Channel Twelve, and you know they had the flying cameras, and we did. They had the whole concert, our whole concert live on TV. It was awesome, and uh, that was a big show. But we did this show with this rodeo for four people, and he played that show like it was that show, like that big mm-hmm. show. Man, and they and, and that casino hired us again for the next year. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I'd heard that too. Coming up when you're first, you know, learning to play or studying how to be a performer or whatever that means. Uh, I remember the concept. You'd see these bands who would be down because no one came to their show, and it's like, look, no one knows who you are. You have four converts in the audience. You know, you have an opportunity to create four fans. Right. And if you don't recognize that that is now what this moment's all about, then you shouldn't be up there. You know that that's really the point. That it was. It never was about how many people were going to come. It's about the ones that did. You know, the shows for them. Yeah. You know? I mean, we sold four CDs and four T-shirts, and that you know that's an extra <laughs> two hundred bones right there, one hundred eighty bones, whatever it was. You know. Yeah. So that was that was worth it. That's crazy. Yeah. Cool, man. So what's the very next event for you? What's the very next thing you got going on? Back well, to editing at home or? No, I, I do all the editing at the studio right now. I've been doing stuff for Fervor, and then I'm I'm. I'm working on a record with this guy named uh, Nick Lytle. He's a, he was writing singles. Um, he's a comedian and a, and a uh, uh, country singer. Oh, cool! And uh, uh, he's getting ready. Him and I are talking about doing a country uh, comedy record. I don't know if it's going to be totally country though, because he's from Jersey. Okay. You know, he's got a thing about him. He's he's a he's a he's a good dude. So we're, I think we're going to do like an eight track comedy album. That could be fun. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. I'm excited about that one. Um, Have you heard of Earl Dibbles Jr.? I don't know that one. He's a he's he's a, his name is Granger Smith. I think is his real name, and he's a young kid. He's playing arenas. Uh, he's got a couple records out. Sound great. I mean, he's on his way up. But then he has his own comic version of himself where he makes fun of country music. Oh yeah, I have Dibbles seen him. Junior, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he can, I think I'm a cowboy is one of the songs, or the cowboy life, or something. Well, our little Brooks and Dunn tribute show is opening for him in Indiana at an outdoor event. Oh my gosh, that's awesome! And I don't know if it's going to be Earl Dibbles is going to get up on that stage or Granger Smith. So that's going to be fun to the, see. But, but comedy country is funny. I mean, it's a cool idea. Well, it's a niche, and yeah. it's like you know, Nick is is such a good dude, and, and he, he already had you know, uh, Netflix did a um, they filmed a, one of his concerts. Oh, cool. One of his comedy uh, routines. Yeah. They didn't release it. Um, he had some problems with management, I guess, or something. Oh, I'm not geez. sure what the deal was. I don't know if it was management or if there was something kind of licensing or whatever, but it never got released. But they filmed the whole thing. But anyway, so he decided he wants to try this route because, um, you know, it would be interesting. And no one's done it. I mean, people people have done it, but it's just not very popular right now. Mm-hmm. It might be a niche that would kind of fly right now. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. So your role in that is going to be uh, as producer? and Producer, yeah. Producer, studio guy, bass player, audio probably. engineer, and janitor, and janitor, yeah. right, and making the coffee. I take the garbage yeah. out every day. You know, I always told my interns, I don't care what else you add to your resume, you never take anything off. <laughs> so you're still the dishwasher on some yeah. days. Even when you own the place, you're still going to be the one doing it. You know, yeah, never goes away. Hey, Brian, we're running out of time. Thanks for coming down. Thanks, man. Time flies by. It does. It does. So that's a lot of news. So we'll have to keep our eyes and ears out for the. Uh, Tripping with Grace, new version tracks that are going to come out. Yeah, and then watch for the band. I think that Guy and John and I are going to, and uh, some uh, people I'm not going to introduce right now are going to be doing some stuff. So Cool. That's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be our well, variety thanks for, band. Thanks for coming down. Right, thank you for having me, man. This, yeah. was, this was an honor. You got it. And you've been listening to the Auto D Show here on Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks. See you next week where my guests are going to be Marty and Aaron from Black Caesar Soul Club. Check them out.